0: What's up, guys? This is Andrew coming to you here. I uh, just wanted to throw an intro in here for us real quick before you get to listen to the podcast. This is episode two of the Full Court Press that you're getting ready to listen to uh, with, with me and Daniel Wharton, and we bring in a former Kentucky basketball player John Hood. One thing that I did want to tell you about this episode is, is there's a little snippet at the end of it of something really cool. Daniel talking about his time in Orlando, uh, playing for Stan Van Gundy, playing with Dwight Howard, how that was like. So I encourage you, after the, the outro music plays, hang on just a second. You'll get to hear about five minutes of Daniel telling you what it's like playing for Stan Van Gundy, who is currently um, you know, doing the broadcast for the NBA games right now. So I hope you guys enjoy, and I hope that you stick around in the end to listen to that little, little bit, and we will talk more about that in the future. This is a public service announcement sponsored by Just Blaze and the good folks at Rockefeller Records.
1: Fellow Americans, it is with the utmost pride and sincerity that I present this recording as a living
0: testament and recollection of history in the
1: making during our generation.
0: <laughs> Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is <O-O-X3> Ho! Right, here X-T-O-V. we go. This is episode two of the Full Court Press with Andrew Williams and Daniel Orton. Daniel, what's up, man? How are you today?
1: Not much. Doing good. How are you?
0: I'm, I'm doing good. We're back and our, our first episode was, I mean, just heard around the world, just the, a lot of people are talking about it. Just, I know, you know, uh, that, that it went really well and we had a good time uh, enjoying. So if, if you heard episode one, um, I'm glad that you're back for episode two. And if not, uh, we welcome you to the Full Court Press where we're talking basketball and a little bit of everything. We have a special guest joining us today, former Mr. Basketball in the state of Kentucky and national champion, John Hood. John, how are you?
2: I'm good. How are
0: you all? Man, just trying to survive. Trying, trying to survive the uh, the, the, <laughs> the, the COVID um, pandemic that's going on. I'm a teacher, John, so like I've just been in the house the whole time, and they just recently said that you know we're not going back to school uh, until like September 28th or something like that. So I've just been stuck inside, and it's it's tough, man.
2: Yeah, it's it it is crazy, crazy times for sure. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we have we've, we've had a lot going on uh in the sports world and, and that's that's kind of where we'll we'll start where I want to start us off today is today they just decided the and, and we're gonna start off by talking a little bit of college athletics, but they just decided today in the Big Ten and the Pac twelve that there's gonna be no college football in the fall and, I, and a lot of people are upset about that because obviously you know there's a lot of college football fans and the Big Ten and the Pac-12 say that they're going to push it off until the spring but a lot of people says that's not possible I'll start off with you Daniel what do you think about the the basically it looks like right now that the college football season and even the college basketball season is in jeopardy
1: yeah you hate it for the players you really hate it for the players and then everyone you know that has a job that's linked to college basketball, you
0: hit it a little bit, but I feel like
1: at the same time, if that's what's necessary to to move forward with everything that's that's what you got to do
0: john what what are your thoughts do you i mean how do you feel about them them canceling you know and, and pushing it off to the spring? Do you think that's possible, and do you think the a c c will follow suit
2: well i don't I don't think that that it's possible, it is possible, anything is possible for them to play in the spring, but you, you also have to think about player safety. You're asking those players to play two seasons in the span of 12 months. Yeah. Because they're going to play, they're going to take two months off, go home for the summer, come back and play again. And, I mean, I'll, I'll speak to it. Daniel, I mean, understands it as well. They're not, these players are not going to get as good, as me, as good of medical attention at home as they are on campus. No. I guarantee you if this was happening our freshman year, we would be tested maybe once every other week. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, not what, that's not even – I mean, we're basketball. Supposedly we're still going to have a season. But, I mean, I, I don't see how the SEC backs out of it and postpones just because there's a lot of money down here in the southeastern conference. So that's and that's what that's the biggest part.
0: Yeah, I mean and you're looking at too if if you know a lot of these schools their revenue does come from football and and I know in Kentucky, you know, Kentucky makes money off of basketball, but a lot of schools, you know, they're very football heavy. So not having a football season is going to, you know, that that's going to have an impact on a lot of these other sports and and you and you worry about some of the smaller sports that that don't bring in as much revenue. Are they even going to be able to survive. And, and listen, I'm just going to say right now, like if there's not a Kentucky basketball season, the people in Kentucky are, are liable to start an uproar.
2: <laughs> yeah, they are. You also have to think about all these, I mean, you, you're talking about uh, football heavy, but think about all these teams that are getting paid uh, 900000 to $1.2 to come in and get beat 30, get beat 40 in football and basketball. I mean, you saw that the MAC was the first conference that did that. That's what the MAC lives off of. Are those games? I mean, Northern Illinois goes to uh, what is it, Purdue and and IU almost every other year. So I mean, that's their that's their entire athletic budget.
0: Yeah. And now you're getting to a point, too, where, I mean, I I think as of right now, the the league that's done the best in dealing with this pandemic has been the NBA. And their their bubble concept is something that you may, you know, college basketball – may have to look into it, that, that college back, you know, there may have to be, you know, different teams go to one particular place and, and play out the conference season and, and do it like that. But I mean, I, I don't know, like, like I just think a lot's up in the air. And, and there's a lot of money to be made. There's a lot of TV money, you know, that's that's in, involved in this. And, and you guys know when, when money's involved, there's a lot of there's a lot of different decisions that are made.
1: Yeah, that's true. I, I feel trust. like that is one way you could go about it. Just like thinking more so on that, like you would have to find facilities that could fit a bunch of teams where they could have a lot of you can have, you know, four or five courts. And there's facilities out there, like I know in Texas, there's some places with 16 courts to where you could have space for different teams to have practice. Yes, you find like a hotel or a resort where they can all stay. And then, you know, a lot of money is going to have to be put into it as far as testing, as far as security. But honestly, I mean, I feel like it – I mean, it's an idea that they're going to have to talk to the NBA just to kind of see everything they did and, and put forth the effort, and put forth the money to do that because that might be – I mean, it might be necessary to try and go into a bubble for the NCAA. But you'd have to go into conferences first, like you said.
2: Or you'd have to restructure the conferences. I mean, if, if, you play, if you play a, a conference-only season, I mean, you look at Kentucky and Louisville, and there's 50 miles in between them. You look at Georgia, yeah. Georgia Tech, there's less than that. Yeah. I mean, Florida, Florida State, Jacksonville, all, the, all those schools down there, do it as a, as a region, but maybe make it Kentucky, Tennessee, Missouri, some of those surrounding states to where it's still good basketball. So that that'd be one way to do it. And what yeah. you're
0: gonna what you're gonna have to see is conferences are going to have to work together. Like you said, they're gonna they're gonna have to you know maybe restructure it based on geography, and and they're gonna have to work together. So you may see the ACC work with the ACC, and and you know the, to to kind of work out different regional sites that may work for that. But I mean, we all hope that there's basketball we all hope that there's football because it's entertainment for us and, and speaking on that like I don't know about you guys but John have have you been keeping up with the the NBA restart you know since since its came back
2: yes yes I've I've watched quite a bit of games I've watched uh, watch Anthony play watch Pat play um, seen Devin Booker they're on right now um, I think they're in halftime they're up again he's having another another good game. Um, just keeping up with the guys that are down there, mainly. Um, what? I've seen Eric play, I think, twice, so.
0: What what are some of your takeaways so far? Because I've I've actually like I think it there was you're starting to see the 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 actual product kind of ramp up a little bit. Players are getting into shape and and they're getting their legs yep. under them. And the, you know there's a playoff push going on right now. The 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 push for the eight seed in the Western Conference, like me and Daniel were talking about early earlier, has been great. And and what what do you see happening? Like who is your pick going forward for the playoffs? What what do you what do you think we see?
2: But it's it's going to come down to to Lakers, Milwaukee. I mean, that's just okay. it's inevitable. Which I don't have a problem Very with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he knows. I, mean, I don't. I don't. I mean, the best player in the world is playing for the Lakers. Yeah, I mean, he's the be- he's the best player in the world, and he's six Andrew foot eleven. 11. <laughs> he's six foot eleven, and he's an absolute monster. But Daniel, I watched the first game that they had televised, like that they like really marketed it was it was Clippers Lakers and it was before yeah. Harold got back, of course. Yeah. So Pat Pat comes in the game and plays twelve minutes in the first half. Uh-huh. And lines up across from LeBron. Of course. And goes <laughs> oh, go, no,
1: I saw it. I saw it I saw it.
2: And he goes plus eleven in the first half. Mm-hmm. And I I, I tweeted out, like, oh this Pat's playing great. <laughs> and then he gets in the game second half and lines up with Anthony. And I'm like, uh, plus minus is going away real <laughs> fast right now. <laughs> Anthony's Anthony is a different animal so I'm
0: a LeBron guy like I'm I'm a huge I love LeBron he's my favorite player I mean I've 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 stuck with him forever but what I see from from this and I, I love watching Anthony too and what I've seen from this bubble and I agree with you I honest to the Lord think Anthony Davis is the best player in the world oh
2: I mean right now he is I mean Steph isn't playing Kevin Durant's not playing um Kawhi Leonard has to share the ball with Paul George and the, there's not enough basketballs to go around for the, both of those guys. Um, actually, I don't think there's enough basketballs to go around for Paul George. <laughs> Just yeah, that, that guy's a gun. Yeah. Um, he, I think Anthony is the best player. I think LeBron is understanding it. And, and you can, you can tell that he defers to Anthony because it is a changing of the guard and it's, it's, it's AD's team. Yeah.
0: True. Daniel, True. who do you, Daniel, who do you like? John said Lakers, Bucks in the finals. Yeah. Who do you got in the finals? What do you think?
1: Lakers, and I don't know who.
0: Lakers, and I
1: got the Lakers. I got the Lakers one them too. i I'm not going to lie to
0: you. They're good, man. Like, they, they've got, I, I just feel like they also have another gear, too, that they've not showed yet. So, like, right now, they're.
1: Because I mean, they got, what you, when you have reserves, when you have a solid eight that can go in there and give you production night in and night out it's a different monster, but they go deeper than that. They go nine, they go 10, they go 11, they go all the way through to the end of their bench. And when you have that, it's a different mindset because, you know, uh, you you don't want anyone to get hurt, but things happen. So you have Mm -hmm. guys that drop. You have to have people that have that veteran mindset that know what, exactly what they have to do. Okay. He might get hurt. He might not get hurt. I'm going to stay ready for this whole thing. And I'll be ready when my time comes, when it's time for me to shine, I'm going to shine. And that's kind of like what you have to buy into. And that's what Dwight's bought into more so. When my time is going to come, I'm going to shine. Oh, JaVale is coming out. I'm going in. I'm going to shine. And he's done everything he has to do. It's like, listen, need, we need you to block shots, rebound on the floor. Easy enough. Duck when you can. If we throw a lot to you, you know what to do with that already, as we've seen with him and Jr. So I mean, it's an easy game for Dwight right now. He's in a position, position to be so successful. A.D. as well. Cause he has weapons around him, so he can't be the main focus. Like we kind of saw what AD could really turn into when Cuz was on his team.
0: Yeah. Yep. When he had
1: someone else, another threat, another weapon. <laughs> yep. It's like no, hold on, hold on. So we got these two bigs. Who's gonna help? The guards, the guards gotta come help. But they have so much around them. They had who, like Drew Holiday, they had a squad with that team. And so it's like when AD has so many weapons, not to mention LeBron, not to mention Jr. now Dion Waiters. You got so many weapons. It's scary. JaVale McGee is a true weapon
0: you have two. i mean the lakers one of the one of the best shot creators for the lakers is rondo i know he's a step slower and and i mean but they're going to get rondo, is back. rondo
1: still hurt rondo's not he's not back yet is he he's, he's not back he, yet he's, he's yeah, coming I mean, back that's, yeah that's, they, why I didn't
0: even, that's why i didn't even say rondo i mean are you
1: like you can't not mention him but he's just hurt right now i know he'll be back and it's crazy because guys
0: like rondo when they come back they bounce back better than ever too and he'll and, be playoff ready as soon as he comes back they just need like a, rondo his ability to create shots i mean i know he's not the best shooter but he can get in the game and he can make shots for other guys and, and spread the floor out. And I just think as a second unit, Rondo's going to be important to them going forward, you know, on into the playoffs because and, and we know like playoff rondo, he's always been special. Like he's been a different animal. Yep. Every year that he gets he doesn't done, move. He, no Rondo was on that Pelicans team with with cousin AD. Like they playoff Rondo he's special. And so I I, I agree the- with you.
1: Another thing, when you got guys that have played together and have developed chemistry, it's dangerous too. It's super dangerous. When you can patch, you know, two guys from here, three guys from here, oh, hold on, y'all all all have played together, this is going to be beautiful. Like it's going to be perfect, going to be amazing. I feel like that's one thing that helped our team was – I have played against Bled so much going into college. I played against <laughs> him. I can't remember what AUT it was, maybe the Birmingham Ice or that sounds yep. I don't know. Yep. I care. I care. <laughs> but I played against him so much in Orlando. And then I played against Cuz. I feel like every tournament there for a cool minute. So I didn't even know like Bled was in the picture of coming. As soon as they saw, I said, who? Are you sure? Aerie Bleds, okay, perfect. Because I played with John pretty much. I played with John Hood in a bunch of camps, a mm-hmm. bunch of camps. And then I played with John Wall at like, what was it, Nike camp. And so, yeah, once I knew we had everything coming together, it was going to be dangerous
0: let's let so let's let's jump right into that then and and last time we talked a lot about uh, Daniel's recruitment and you know his his choice of picking Kentucky John I know that you won Mr. basketball in the state of Kentucky and I know it was a different experience yep. for you because I mean there there's I mean I'm I've born and raised in Kentucky there's an inherent pressure that any good basketball player from Kentucky like should be at Kentucky so like what what was the recruitment process like for you did you feel that pressure of like going to Kentucky and being a star or did you grow up wanting to go to Kentucky what was that like
2: well when I was getting recruited what I mean one thing dad did a really good job of was was making me understand that Kentucky was another team and like my freshman year of high school I didn't I wasn't recruited at all and I mean I had one offer and that was Murray State which was a local hour and 25 down the road and I mean that was my first offer and then Middle Tennessee came and and then kind of I jumped on the the AAU circuit and wound up playing up in the seventeens as a, as a sixteen and that's how I mean I know Daniel did it as well he probably did it way before then probably did it as a fifteen but yeah
1: that too I'm, yeah
2: I mean I, I did it as a sixteen got got good exposure for two years and tried to treat it like any other school I mean. Andy Kennedy was at Ole Miss. That was a choice. Bruce Pearl was at Tennessee. That was a choice. Um, Coach Felton was at Georgia. I took an unofficial to Duke, and Duke told me that they were not going to offer me because they had their list of guys, and if they didn't go get their list of or if they didn't get their list of guys, then they just passed on on getting like they didn't go farther down their their depth chart or their wish list. Ah uh, well, that's that's just total BS. But they did not get the guy that they wanted, which was Leslie McDonald, Daniel. Mm-hmm. Leslie wound up going to to North Carolina. Yep. But I mean, and then I I signed and committed to UK, and it was I was the first one of that class to do it. Then came GJ, then came Daniel, and then the, when the coaching switch happened, it was mass exodus except for me and Daniel. So we would text like. Every other day, like, uh, you still going? <laughs> <laughs> like, what's what's uh, what's what's going on? So, yeah, because
1: there was like a part, like a, a situation of limbo and like kind of panic, to so where we kind of we had a great relationship, and it's like, okay, we got to figure this out. What are we doing?
2: Yep. Well, so, I mean, I, we didn't know. There, I mean, it was a big rumor that that Billy Donovan was coming. Yeah and we were like uh have you had any contact with him have you had any contacts with him uh, do, do you know i mean did he recruit you at all <laughs> so and then the curve the curveball of cal came and
0: just kind of everything else fell into place I asked, yeah. I, asked, I asked daniel this last week john and, and i'll <clears> ask you the same question was there – I mean, were you, you committed under Billy? Like you said, you were the first one, and, and there was a completely different group of guys around you because Billy was basically offering everybody, like, there at the end. And, and was it – was there a moment after Billy left and Cal came that you were hesitant? Like, did Cal reach back out to you, or, or, or were, were you all in from the get-go, or was there a re-recruitment process?
2: The only thing that I really heard from Cal was he was going to watch my Derby City All-Star game. The der- the uh, which one was that? The one in Louisville. Okay. And I just I went into it and I just was hell bent determined on going absolutely nuts. And there, like the first half, I went absolutely nuts. <laughs> and then I heard after the games, like we we're we're gonna keep you. like okay, well that's <laughs> wonderful, perfect. That's kind of kind
0: of all I really heard from him, and then.
2: I got a text like these are moving dates all that.
0: Did did I mean like when when those guys when those guys like you know GJ and I think Casey Ross Miller had committed I don't know if he was the same class as you guys but when when those no. guys when when those guys decommitted and then you know like Daniel was there and then Eric and John and DeMarcus when those guys started coming in did you start to get more excited about the team that you were getting ready to go play for? Because I'm sure naturally it was like, all right, now we i feel like that we have a chance to win this.
2: Well, I, uh, I got hesitant. The only really time I got worried was, I mean, Casey Ross Miller decommitted and like left and Connor Tucker left and all these other guys were like gone. And, the only three that were still there were me or still committed and signed or still committed were me, Daniel, and Dominique Ferguson. <laughs> mm-hmm. And as soon as, as, soon as Dominique mm-hmm. left, I was like, oh, this, this just got a little bit more real. Yeah. Because I, hard I, hard. Looked, I looked, at, I looked at, at Ferg and he was six foot nine and could do basically everything that I could do and was just, I mean, just flat out bigger than me. So I didn't, I didn't know. And then, I mean, they told me they want, I mean, the all-star game happens. And, and like Daniel said, I had played against a bunch of those guys. I had played against Eric twice, two or three times in different tournaments with Birmingham ice. I caught, uh, I, I took a smooth 30 ball from, from John Wall in, in the Bob Gibbons tournament in in North Carolina Um After playing four games that day, he was the last one that that put us out. Him and that, him, uh, yeah, that's a heck of a team. Don't know who we're playing, but we have to go here. We show up and it's John Wall, Ryan Kelly, and JT Terrell. Like, all right, I see you boys. This this (laughs) is it.
1: Um, But like, uh, think about that. We used to play
2: four or five games in a day. Yeah. Like, that was, that's too much. Well, it was four or five games a day and, And nothing was ever, like, except for that one tournament you were talking about in Texas that had 16 courts, or the one in Vegas, nothing was ever, yeah, nothing was ever like, oh, okay, you go from this court to 20 feet over to that court. It was like you go from this court 20 miles down the road to that that court. Yeah. Get out of the car, shake your legs off, and go play.
1: But Vegas was a different – it was the different gym every day. So you would like – and you always had to drive, like, 30, 45 minutes. Yeah. Sometimes an hour, like that second or third day to the gym you were going to. And it's like, yeah. you might have a few hours in between, so you got to stay in the gym all day long. Well, I remember that. that was, it was miserable. That was so miserable.
2: I played Eric in one of those one of those gyms you're talking about, an hour away the second or third day, and we we show up, and I had gotten a little bit of a ranking and show up Birmingham ice, black and white colors. Mm-hmm. It was a little with the, the two female coaches. Yep, with a dog out there. With the dog, <laughs> a yep. A and, pit bull out there. What? <laughs> yeah, Eric picked me up 94 feet for the entire game. The whole game. <laughs> and it was like this dude is not – I mean, he blurred
1: all the energy yeah. in the world.
2: Yeah, Damn. and, I mean, just just oh. a bully too. What? And, I mean, that's, that's when I played against him. I played against um, – DeMarcus actually at UK elite camp when 4G. Uh, so so G was there. He held an elite camp. And, and that's how I really got noticed by UK is they invited literally almost every senior or junior or sophomore that was had any kind of notoriety in Kentucky. So I was in alumni back when alumni was still there playing in like the ninth or tenth team. And, and dad walks up to me and he says, you don't belong here. You belong over there. And that's all he had to say, which is to irritate me. I had like yeah. 40 in an elite camp game. Yeah. And the second, the second game I played in the big court, well, we tipped off, it got flipped out to me off the tip off. And I squared DeMarcus up and tried to dunk on him. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, that was kind of the, I mean, G was underneath the basket. And dad, dad looked at me afterwards and said, and, and said, yeah he he asked who you were ten seconds into the game, so oh, that's yeah. kind of how it happened. but I knew who those who those guys were, and that's what made us like so so close I had one, one
1: thing me, one thing me and Ho were talking about too is like you always challenged everybody like everybody challenged everybody that year so it was you know you couldn't take breaks in practice like oh. I said before, you had all the GMs there. You had all a b- bunch of scouts in practice, so you couldn't take days off. So you had to go so hard. And it was so much fun with everybody just continually tra- like challenging each other. It was a whole lot of – like it was – the practices, like I said before, were better than the games a lot of times. The pickup
2: games were the best.
1: Yeah,
0: pickup like... games where there was nobody there.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> That's, that no... was it. Yeah. That was it. I... I have a question really quickly, and and it's it's kind of a background into, like, the high school recruiting stuff and, and the ranking system of how that goes. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody knew John Wall coming in, obviously. He's, like, the number one player in America. I think it was, like, him and Avery Bradley were, like, the top two guys in, in that class. I know DeMarcus was, like, top five. But Eric Bledsoe, you know, he wasn't ranked as high, and there hadn't been many people that that heard of him. What – like, how do they make those decisions of who gets ranked where? Is is that just, like is, – is it very subjective based upon, like, just some – somebody's opinion at that start because I know there's some rankings that's like okay this guy turned out to be not very good at all and this guy turned out to be a superstar like how subjective are those high school rankings and how much does it matter to you guys when you're in high school and you're fighting for those spots
1: um I mean I I feel like it's personal opinion honestly um (laughs) some is I don't know it's tough because some guys have their rankings and in it they had their own personal opinions, but then you have like ESPN where it's like, uh, I don't know. I feel like, you know, I don't even know how they did it to tell you the truth. You paid I paid attention to it at first cause it was cool to be notarized and it was cool to see it on the website.
2: But after a while, you're just like, man, I don't care about this. The highest, I mean, I started by saying this, it depends on who sees you at what mm-hmm. point in the summer. Cause yeah. just like, it's just like an NBA or in college, guys get hot. Yeah. yeah. I mean you you got guys that get just scorching and then my last summer I got hot and I could not turn it off and it felt like I was throwing throwing it in the ocean from wherever I got as high as 19 and won in like rivals or something like that but I mean does it did it matter then I mean it was fun to see where you rack like ranked against people but I mean looking back and in that 2009, John Wall will give Avery Avery Bradley 50, 24, 32, (laughs) and 10, every which way. Cousins. it was was fun to see those battles, too. It was so much fun to watch those battles. DeMarcus Cousins hated Derek Favors so much and still hates (laughs) Derek Favors so much. He'll He'll try to give him 50 every single night. You watch. It happens. But does it matter to me now? I mean, go ahead and look it up and see see who's ranked ahead of Kawhi Leonard right now. I mean, that, yeah. that was me. <laughs> so, What
0: what was your – John, what was your relationship like with Billy? Because me and Daniel talked about it, and he – Daniel really didn't have, you know, too deep of a relationship with Billy. Um, no. But how, how, what was your relationship with him like, John? My
2: relationship with him was good. Um my relationship with Coach Cox was better, which is normally what you see with with assistant coaches. Yeah. Um, and, Daniel, I don't know who recruited you. I think it was Sip. Yeah, Because
1: but- I had the relationship. Coach Sip, me and Sip, go way back till I was like – because Coach Sip coached my brother in college. Okay. So I knew Sip when I was nine, ten years old. No, maybe okay. I was 11 at that point. Cause he was at Oklahoma state with my brother and Eddie Sutton.
2: I got you. I mm-hmm. mean, Cox, I had a better relationship with coach Cox just because, I mean, that's who, that's who was in charge of recruiting me. Yeah. I mean, G came in and, and he had all this like for our, for my in-home. And after I was already signed, he came in and like laid out all this stuff, like told me what he wanted, told me this, told me that. Like, I mean we had a good relationship. I still hear from him every now and then. I'll I'll call him up or he'll call me still. But I mean, it's though am I gonna watch this I mean, I'll <laughs> I'll definitely watch if there's a season when they go to Gonzaga and play. I will buy ESPN plus or <laughs> do whatever rent for that night because that's gonna be a forty ball. And but G is going to come out of the gates and going to have him like, amped up to play for the first 15 minutes.
0: Do you think – John, do you think that he gets, like, a bad rap with Kentucky fans? Like, do you think that he's, like, unfairly looked at? Or, or what are your thoughts about people's perceptions of him?
2: Well, perception is reality, number one. And he didn't win. Yeah. I mean, if, if he goes to the Final Four – People look at him – people probably say he's eccentric and look at him like they do Mike Leach yeah. in college football. It, it's it's just a matter of if you, if you win or not. If you don't,
0: then no one cares, especially not at Kentucky. No.
2: So and that's that- – that, that's my opinion.
0: That brings me to my next thing because you guys were talking about assistants and and their impact, and I and I, I don't think the, the normal fan realizes, you know, that a lot of times the players are much closer with the assistants than they are the actual head coach. And, I mean, in Kentucky, like, you know, we're talking Kentucky right now, uh, KP Kenny Payne just took the job to go and be the assistant coach for the New York Knicks, which was a, a very big move. What is your all thoughts? I mean, I, I, I know it's a step up for Kenny, I know it's a big promotion for him. How does it affect because I, I think that really hurts Kentucky, don't you guys? I mean, what what is your thoughts on KP leaving Kentucky and going to New York?
1: I saw they hired somebody to replace him, or, or they hired somebody for that uh, yeah. assistant job. I don't know, I don't know much about his background, but I mean, I feel like if he can kind of bring the same, I feel like they're going to make a smart enough hire to realize, okay, this is what we need to bring in. And we're gonna be able to pick up the slack. That I don't. Time will tell. To tell you the truth. Time will tell. Such a great coach. I, you know, I've heard great things about him. And I know he gets that re- players
2: need that relationship with an assistant coach, and that's huge. So you know, he uh, KP is. I mean, it, it says something. I saw the tweet today from one of the guys that works at UK. You he's been in the program. He's been at the program for ten years he just left and not, and it's, it's a highly like criticized program for 10 years. He leaves and no one has a bad thing to say about him at all. I mean, there's, I mean, tweets have come out. I mean, just as a coach, he's, he's told, kind of mentored to other younger guys that are getting into the coaching world. I mean, and like me and, and Will Martin, I've heard him say it to Will and, and say it to me once now, but he used to say it to Will all the time, who's the head coach at Missouri Western now. They don't care how much you know. They care about how much you care about them. Yeah. And that's – I mean, I, I think that speaks volumes. But he is the greatest skill development coach that I worked with. He, I mean, you look at the guys that he's gotten into the league. Josh Harrelson made it into the league for a couple of years. And if you'd have told me Josh Harrelson was going to make it in the league the first time I saw him after he transferred from Swick, I'd have laughed at you.
1: And Josh has had a super successful career overseas. Yes. He's playing yep. well in Japan. I saw I saw Josh in Japan this year playing super well in Japan. Got a home in Osaka. He's doing really well. Um, I saw that tweet from Will, too, though. How about Will Martin, though? Yeah. How about yeah? That? That was, that's a per, the things, that's that's the perfect done. situation for him, wasn't it? What about the him and the things he's done? So, Will Martin was like one of our managers when we were there. Yep. And it's just so awesome because he like puts in the work, puts in the time. I know a lot of those guys don't think we notice what they do for us, but we do.
0: Yeah.
2: And
1: like, like he was like I. I really didn't even have a favor. I loved him. Who else was there? Mark Evans.
2: Will Barton? Uh, Brett Will, Brett Will Miller.
1: Barton, love Brett too. Oh, I still talk to Brett every now. Like, I still talk to all those guys.
2: I need yeah, Mark's number actually. I gotta find Mark's number. Mark Mark has hair now. That's like long incredible. like long hair. You're lying. No, I'm not. He's, he's, he's got he's, he's got he's, long hair.
1: I used to call him Rufus sometimes from uh Kim Possible. Hair yeah. Hair. Remember? I forgot about that. So
0: you all you all get on campus your freshman year everybody gets there and pretty quickly the the train starts rolling the hop starts building around the team I remember big blue madness that year was just like this huge event and I mean you know ESPN was around and all this stuff when did you guys like what what was that like when did you guys start feeling it
1: So, we stepped on campus all together that first day. We started playing pickup. Next question. No, no. The the first
2: day we saw – The first day I knew that it was was real was we were in summer session. And this joker, Daniel Orton, doesn't show up for summer session. He stays (laughs) out in California and works out with Frank.
1: I was just telling Andrew Williams, I went to the first – the first – yeah, you went the second. I was yeah. by myself. Yeah, <laughs> I was in May. Yeah. I was there yeah, you, by myself doing that. Right. I was so bored that whole time just working out and doing, like, doing homework. There was really nobody there because yeah. there was nobody there from uh, last year, really. And then, like, even Pat came out to work out with me
2: with Frank. Yeah. So, I mean, but but before Pat came out there, like, we all did the eight-week session, and john wall shows up for the six-week session but he comes on an unofficial visit i don't know how he was able to do it but he came on an unofficial visit like the first week that we were there in the eight-week session mm-hmm. and he as the second day we played pickup he played that day because he had to get yeah. cleared or something yeah and he goes he goes down the lane and just rocks the rim and everybody went yep that's the best player that's it <laughs> Of course, that was it for me because I knew what Daniel was bringing to the table. Because, yeah. if, but And what Daniel was bringing was if John would have come down the lane and wrapped that ball in his left hand and tried to dunk it, Daniel was coming to put him, like, in the wall somewhere. It was the toughness. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Daniel was bringing. No,
1: matter of fact, no, like I, told, I think I told him this before. Like, Bled tried me. Bled went baseline. I'll never forget. And he took off like bless super explosive. So he takes off. I'm like, oh, he really took off. So I jumped as high as I could, blocked it. Thank God, I didn't get dunked on. But he fell, almost fell down. I caught him. I'm like, bro, you good? He's like, yeah. I was like, I didn't know he's gonna try all that. He just laughed because he just he really tried to dunk him. He tried so hard to dunk on me. Oh my. god, yeah. I like, Okay. Yeah. Every time he go
2: up, I can't play around with him no more. But that, that's what we were talking about. You you had to challenge people. That's what Daniel was saying. Like, in up if the guards – pick up that summer, if you got ripped out front, which I was playing backup point guard for whatever reason. So – and and he – Cal had them. He said, John and Eric, you need to play on the same team. I'm like, okay, this is – no. Scary. Not good. Yeah, scary. And then you add – you add with those two the best – open gym pickup player in the history of the world in Darius Miller. Um, they don't – I mean, they just didn't lose. But, like, Eric and John would pick me, and then they would, like, fan out wide going the other end. hmm But would wait on the other guard that they just ripped and give them a chance to block it at the rim. Yep. You saw so many posters that way. And, I mean, yep. they got me a couple times that way. I mean, it, it was – the competition level was crazy, yeah. And when Daniel got there, we were playing. I mean, when school wasn't in, like on Saturdays and stuff, we were playing pickup twice a day.
1: Yeah,
2: we were playing about eleven thirty, and then we were playing about eight thirty. Yeah, and we hard. were playing a seven game series minimum. It wasn't yeah. like oh, first one best out of seven or all this. It was seven games minimum.
0: Because you didn't want to, you didn't yeah. want to
2: leave. You didn't want to leave the gym on a loss. Nobody wanted to leave on the loss. Yeah. It was that. That's what made it special.
0: Let me let me ask you guys this: there from that year, the year before, the only people that returned were Perry, Ramon, and Pat. i um, I think those are the only three. Were they? Or cre- well, Krebs, yeah, Krebs too. Yep. Uh, were they receptive to the new guys coming in? Did it take time to build that relationship, that bridge between one year and the next, or did it kind of just click instantly? Or, or what was that process like?
2: Well, it was also Dre and Darius
0: yeah yep. yeah and,
2: and josh yeah so yep. we had we had seven returners and six new guys is what it was, yeah they were i mean in the summers we would pull we would have the battles where it was uh returners versus new guys, and I mean it was just the bragging rights is all it was no you knew who like it was basically who's trying to get that star spot yeah <laughs> they,
1: they told us like. Every spot's open, for open right now for – we don't know what the death charge is going to be. We don't know what the starting line is going to be like. Y'all got to go out here and play and figure, figure everything out.
2: And we kind of did that way. And the one you do not want to be guarded by if when that is said is DeAndre Liggins. Yeah. I don't think I took an open shot all summer. <laughs> <laughs>
0: He is – DeAndre Liggins, I mean, this is coming from my perspective. I obviously, I'm not playing. I'm watching. But DeAndre Liggins has to be probably the best on-ball defender I've ever seen in Kentucky. By far. Yep. Am I right about the that? Best. Like,
2: he's, he's also the best off-the-ball defender.
0: Yeah. I mean, listen, just
1: seeing him – because you got to realize, me and Dre played together one year in Orlando, and then the next year after that in Oklahoma City and just watching him guard really, like, match up with J.J. Reddick. And then watching him, because he would take on the challenge of guarding, trying to guard KD and guard, trying to guard Russ, too, and just to see him day in, day out, every single day. Like, him and Jeremy Lamb used to have some battles, too. He used to have some battles.
2: I learned a lot from Dre. Just – I mean, and, and you don't learn a lot from Dre by hearing him talk, because he doesn't. He's, At all. Ever. He's it's, it's real under – like, it sounds just like that, but <laughs> <Yeah>. he – uh <laughs> And I'm sure he did it with J.J. too. I mean, I used to run off of screen after screen after screen and would never get open. And the reason why is is, is you, you hear these guys that, that trail the screeners. And I know just from from knowing Dre, he had to do it with J.J. Yeah, Dre would, trail, was, Dre would it, trail outside hip, though.
1: Yeah, he would.
2: And you'd never be able to get away from him.
1: And then right. he started, like he started picking up on little things from Jameer. I remember Jameer would tell him, he's like, "Listen, if that big is trying to like really, if he's too wide, you just got to hit that knee, and I promise you, he'll never, he'll never put that knee out again. Because if a big is too wide, it's an illegal screen on a big. Right. But if, if you're straight up, then you're good. But if that, if that, if your leg is out too much and they run into your knee or to your knee or to your hip, he's like, get low so you hit a right the knee. I'm like, mirror, like, bro. <laughs> that hurts like, that's the point. you will going to do it again. Okay. Yeah. Get that. But still, that hurts. But it was also, like, a bunch of things I learned from vets. Like, I had a super vet-loaded team in Orlando. So, I learned so much from everybody. Like, sitting next to Jameer on the plane, talking to him, and then just kind of picking his mind on everything. You learned a lot of things. And it's like – I feel like that's what DeAndre got from J.J. too. Because I remember J- – Dre first texted me like the first he was like, bro, he's like, what's what's JJ's problem? I'm like, like JJ, JJ's an asshole, but he's a good dude. Like, you'll see. That's all I can tell you. So, yeah. like, literally, literally the next one, he was like, man, JJ just took me shopping. You know, he talked like we had like nice lunch. You know, we had a nice lunch and just talked. to him. I'm like, yeah, I told you, JJ, he's an asshole, but he's a super nice dude. At the oh, yeah. same time, just when he steps on in those four lines. He means business, and he's not playing yep. as it should be.
0: I mean, he's he's thirty seven years old right now, and he's still balling. Like he's he's playing for the Pelicans, and and still, I mean, probably one of the top four best shooters in the league still to this day. Yeah. I mean, but body's I mean, still in great shape, and like he'll probably hang around until he's forty just because of the stuff that he's able to do. He's a yep. constant professional. Best way to describe him. Yeah. But I mean, we, they,
2: you just you just learned so much from those guys that were returning. I mean, you learned a lot from Pat. You learned a lot from Perry, Ramon Harris, uh, Krebby, um, Josh. All of them. It was because they but, saw
1: the opportunity to get to get a championship out of it too. Yeah. Everybody they, really. They knew what just, was coming. Everybody really just wanted to win so bad that we all right. just we gelled off of the fact that we all. Nobody wanted to go against the grind. Everybody wanted to buy in and win championship.
0: One yep. member of that team that like we don't talk a lot about that was on that team is Darnell Dodson. Um, what what was he like? Why doesn't he get the same recognition that like you guys do and some of the other guys do? What was what was the Darnell Dodson experience on that team?
1: Darnell, Dodson, because he
0: transferred.
1: That's why. I love, yeah,
2: I love Darnell too. I love Darnell. He, tra- he transferred to Southern Miss. That's why you don't get the I mean you don't he doesn't get the notoriety or, or people don't like remember him as much. Yeah. But I mean Darnell was great. Darnell, Darnell and I had some battles.
1: Phen- phenomenal shooter, sneaky athletic. But yeah. he used it was like dang Darnell, he could use athleticism all the time. He didn't ever, he didn't always use athleticism because he could shoot so well.
2: You remember he, remember he was the, he was on top 10 and not top 10 in the same day? Yes <laughs> at, at, at South Carolina?: Yes. <laughs> he dunked all over Robert Muldrow and then missed a wide open dunk. <laughs> you
0: guys you guys go you, you start that season, and, and I'm sitting here looking I'm just looking back at, at some of the games. Um, what are – I mean, I, I remember the first game was Morehead State and, you, you know, Wall wasn't out there. And that was the first time I think as fans that we really understood how good Eric Bledsoe was because, I mean, he dominated that Moorhead State game. Then the Miami game was next. John Wall comes in and hits that buzzer beater um, towards the end of the game. Then you had, like, the North Carolina game that was big. What are some games from that year that really stick out to you all? I don't –
1: Florida the most to me because I got, I got in the Sports Center Thompson with that. I had, like, three blocks in a row. <laughs> so that's the to to be uh, Drexel, what, huh? Drexel Dre, for sure. Without the 2001 game, yeah,
2: without a doubt. The Sam Houston State game sticks out to me because that little dude come in and was just firing. I <laughs> think that little dude could not miss. We were in trouble that game.
1: But same thing as Devin Downey when we were actually, yeah.
0: oh crap, Devin Downey, uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> So, I mean listen, we got like like we said before, you get everybody's best effort. Yeah. You get everybody's best effort. Like, especially when you get in the conference play. Like, there wasn't old Miss Mississippi State. Everybody was coming for us, South Carolina. Everybody was coming for us, LSU. They had some dogs down at LSU.
2: They had some dogs at, at Mississippi State. Mississippi yeah, State. Mississippi State, State had debossed Raven Johnson.
0: Jarvis Fernardo. Um,
2: Jarvis Fernardo. And they had two other guards that were like six foot five that played the four spot Yeah, I mean, Mississippi state my freshman year. I played six seconds. <laughs> I played one out of bounds play. Raven Johnson ran a curl and I curled it chasing the entire way. He caught it in three point line. I jumped up, same contest, everything. Perfect. Great defense. Dude was six foot seven, shot the ball a foot and a half over top of his head. <laughs> it went in and on the way back down the court on the offensive end, I saw Dre walk into the scorers table. Well, Yep,
0: here it comes. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I remember, man, like I, I know the Connecticut game was big, you know, playing that Madison Square Garden. Ooh. That 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 was that was a fun game playing against Kimba. Um, that was a really good Connecticut team, you know. Hey,
1: bro, RIP sticks, man. That's crazy. Y'all hear about yeah. Stanley? Yeah. That's wild. Because yeah. Stanley – so Stanley was – he was like, Like, me and Stanley had to close the relationship because he got drafted to Orlando the same year that I did. So, we literally had to go through everything together, like interviews together with Orlando. We had to go to the the rookie transition program together. So, while you're at the rookie transition program, you're, like, there for a week. You do go through all the things that are to come, everything. They're trying to prepare you for the upcoming season, which is not enough time. And so we kind of had to go through that, and you got to work out the whole time you're there. So me and him are doing workouts together. They had us in Orlando early. We spent probably the whole summer together, to be honest with you. Wow. And he's just like a super good dude, super quiet, country, and just a super nice dude. Well, you
2: talk about that. You talk about that UConn team, and, and, and Kimba gets all the notoriety. Kimba wasn't the best player on that team. D- Dyson gave us fits. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I mean we, yeah, that's
1: tough.
2: <laughs> I remember Eric and John just taking over that game.
1: Oh, definitely.
2: And I mean, Kimba got me the, the next year. Kimba got me a Maui. Hey, I mean, that... in Maui. We're we're in Maui, Daniel. We're we're <laughs> we're running. I'm running back down on defense and. We were supposed to be in his zone because I was in the game and Kimba was in the game, so it (laughs) just makes sense to be in his zone. I run the wing and go to my spot, and Cal's screaming, "Man!" So I get the closest guy, and they flip it out to Kimba. (laughs) He go, he goes between the legs, cross step back, and like, no, not going to get there. That's just (laughs) not happening. It went in, and we're we're on the plane ride back, and uh, and Cal, Cal's had like pulling people up to like watch tape with him yeah. this eight eight hour plane ride like on thanksgiving he's like well, what could you have done better what could you have done better he didn't say anything to me he just kept <laughs> rewinding the tape and like where'd you go where'd you go where'd you go and and finally he was he said all right that's fine so i walked by robes and robes looked at me and smiled and just shook his head <laughs> <laughs> then then he comes back to my seat and goes Look, I mean, you did what you could. Like, <laughs> it, it, he knows that. There's nothing you could have done. <laughs> oh, dang. Was Rose, Jay- Rose was awesome, like, about that stuff, too, though. I would get crossed and everything, and Rose would say something. The game before that, Daniel, we're playing Washington. Me and Jared Polson are our two guards. Yeah. And our ball handle, like, and playing defense guards.
1: Yeah.
2: And, you know, Rose get the board and hold it up. So, we come out, and, and J.P., his name is next to to number ten. Like, okay, my name is next to number four. Like, all right, I go out there. Oh no, Jared, you got Abdul Gaddy. I got, I got Isaiah Thomas. No, no, switch. This isn't happening. <laughs> switch. <laughs> I, I w- was not about to have have that happen. Yeah, it's
0: you all. That it was, was
1: bad. Like, honestly, being real with you, Abdul Gaddy's still a, a hell of a matchup too. Yep. Me and him, we were we were teammates in in Maine. We played together in Maine, and he's just a phenomenal point guard, a great leader. So to have him and I.T. on the same team was like in college, kind of like that's dangerous. I mean, they, had,
0: they had Pondexter on that team too.
1: Our yeah. Team. Tough. Yep.
0: Yeah they you all you all went through that year i mean and just i mean the the 2010 year just dominated most opponents and i was sitting here looking through the schedule again and, and one of the things that i noticed and i remember this you know very vividly was that tennessee team that year too They that that was uh um they had prince and chisholm and and uh bobby mays and you know that scotty was a pre- scotty hobson i yeah. mean that was a, that was a pretty good tennessee team to actually beat you all in Knoxville, and then you all go to the SEC tournament, and in the SEC tournament, you beat them by 29. Like, just destroy them. And I remember Demarcus in that game. Like, they they hit him and like you know in the nuts, and he was getting ready to fight. It looked like was it personal? Like, did you all want to destroy Tennessee that bad?
1: Yeah, because we got we
2: got beaten Knoxville. We thought we were gonna win that game.
1: We got they, said,
2: they said they started talking trash after the game. That's what it was, too. In Knoxville.
1: That's what it that's was, yeah. Oh, in the tunnel. I remember that. Yeah. I forgot yeah, about that. They, yeah, they
2: started talking trash in the tunnel. And it was oh, – Because somebody even, said, I ain't we'll see you, no we'll see you I, soon. I, yeah,
1: I ain't paying no money because that's, that's exactly – Somebody said, we'll see you. So, I was like, you know what? We will see them soon, and we'll be ready, too. I remember, yeah. ooh, remember that practice before we played, though. <laughs> Brutal. Every, just, everybody, just a war. Everybody had laser focus that whole yeah.
2: time.
1: Like everybody was ready. That was one of the, yeah. I, that was a fun practice because they because we watched film on that game. We go to practice and we never hard. watched film. No, rarely, but no, we didn't have to. So we yeah. watched film on that game. And we it was a long film session. They just let watch us. Like made us watch us our, ourselves. Just play after play I'll never forget but I feel like we watched the whole game probably watched the whole game and then had to go out and practice it was like yeah we yeah. smoke because we're not doing that again we're not having to go through all that again yeah you
0: go but I mean they they were I mean, that was a great team they were good enough to beat us they were good very good team yeah yeah you go the next game immediately after the Tennessee game, dominating them, and you play uh, Mississippi State in the championship, the SEC championship. <laughs> what an awesome game! And that's the game where uh, John uh, Eric misses the free throw intentionally. John, and the ball kicks out on the wing. John airballs the the mid range. The Marcus gets the rebound, puts it back up, and in. did. I mean, how fun was that game and winning the SEC championship?
1: I feel like one thing thinking about this, it was fun because I, I'll never forget this because it threw us off. And I think it was one of Cal's mind games. And I feel like more than like 99% of the time he didn't play mind games with us because we were onto that. So he was like, he, he kind of hit us like, okay, it was this. I'll never forget. He said, if we lose, it's okay. Like if we lose, it might be better because we know we're going, we know we're going to tournament. Mississippi State if they win the SEC championship, they might even be able to get into the tournament too. So that'd be more SCC teams in the tournament. We were like, lose? Like, what is he talking yeah. about? We're lose? Like, does yeah. he think we're gonna lose? No, we about to go out and beat them. We got to go beat them. I'll never forget that. And looking back on it now, it was like that was genius.
2: Well, when when John airballed the the three to win it, like outright, in the I as soon as he let it go, I was like, that's good. I thought, it, I thought it was down just because it's John. Yes, true. There was no – I mean, it, it was John. Right? We had I mean, we had that much faith in him. Yeah. As that's, a, that, so, what does that say? That's tough. As a freshman, and John Wall could not hit a three to save his life no. half but the I mean, season. All, we,
1: all, we all just knew it was going in. You know it's going yeah.
2: in. It's good. But, yeah. You and mean, then we rushed the floor. We rushed the court. Like, Ramon ran on the court and tackled yeah. – I didn't rush the court because I didn't want us to get a T. I was thinking ahead. I don't think I really see, rushed that, the court that hard. You and me were still standing there yeah. because we're like <laughs> that was that that tied the game up. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: I didn't. I didn't want to rush the court. I, I knew it was. Yeah, because we knew it wasn't over yet. Yeah. i you, get- you.
2: You asked. You asked the games that stuck out, and and I, I talked about robes and how genius he was, and and the funny things that he did. We played Vanderbilt at home. Yeah. And A.J. Ogilvy,
0: yeah, big right. Australian, had yeah. been
2: on a tear coming yeah. into the game. And he scored once on DeMarcus. And Coach took DeMarcus out and put Daniel in. And DeMarcus walks to the bench. And Daniel, Daniel passes him. And Robes grabs DeMarcus by his jersey and looks at him dead in the face and said, he just said you can't guard him. And, and DeMarcus said, who? And Robes said, and big Australian said, you can't guard him. He said, you ain't as, he said, you ain't as good as him. And DeMarcus, DeMarcus looked at Cal and said, I'm going back in. And he turned around and, and checked back into the game and took somebody out. I don't, I don't think it was Daniel, but DeMarcus went off after yeah, that. he
1: did. He did.
0: Was. Dude, dude did not say a word either. No. Ogilvy didn't say a thing. It was all Rose. Who on same. who on that team was like who who was the leader? Like who was the guy that that in the locker room was was just like the most vocal and the leader and kind of brought you all together? Or was there one? Was it like leadership by committee or or who what what about that team? You know, leadership wise. Pat who led by example.
2: Yeah, that's. I was gonna say Pat led by example. The only one that really like spoke up and said anything was later in the year. John did. Yeah. And that's just because DeMarcus would listen to John. Like, okay, Krebs would have his moments,
1: too, where he kind of talked to us and rallied us. Like, Krebs was a veteran leader in that locker room. He was one of the Fruity Krebs. I love him to the day I (laughs) die. Was one of the greatest locker room guys ever. Yeah. And he would kind of, like, get us all together. Because he just – he's a great people person, so he knew all the personalities. Without Mark Krebs, that team isn't the same. No at all not at all you go and he needs to get more notoriety of, of that too because that's kind of like under the scene you really don't see it you really don't understand it but being a part of that looking back on it now Krebs knew everybody's personality and he kind of like for I wanted to say for me especially he was kind of like big brother that I could go and talk to all the time and like just kind of get more of an understanding of what to do in college because it's like you know for a college athlete time management is a hundred percent of everything and once you start to really have to understand what to do with your time and when to go work out when uh, you know I got I got what class at this time I got study hall at this time I only have an hour in between I want to go nap but I can't go nap so what can I do in between that time and he was kind of like one of those guys I talked to and then kind
2: of I don't know he was just super cool on helping us get through I feel like And that's something that I I didn't understand until my later years in college was the time management, when to go work out, when to take the nap, when to study, Mm -hmm. when to do this, when to do that. I mean, but you also look at that team. That team's not the same without Perry Stevenson. Yeah, at all. (laughs) Because Perry brought that, like, okay, it's serious, it's serious. This is tiptoeing the line of too serious. Let's bring it back a little bit. And that's I mean Perry was and Perry was a like Perry first of all thinks he's Kevin Durant. (laughs) He would come down and try to shoot threes and stuff like (laughs) that, that. That's not you. That's not you, Perry.
0: You all go into that tournament that year, and I mean it was it was a memorable tournament run. The first question I'll ask you guys before you went into the tournament, you win the ACC, you go, you're getting ready to go into the NCAA tournament. How confident? Because I remember that year, um, you all in Kansas were really the the two teams that everybody thought would be the ones that would you know had a chance to win the championship. And I remember Kansas got beat by Northern Iowa there in like the second round, and they had like Ali Faruqmanesh. It was a good Ali. team. yeah, absolutely. And um and you guys were the other team that that everybody was like, all right, they they've got a chance because you were peaking at the right time. How confident were you guys going into the tournament that you thought that you were going to win the championship? Very. Yeah. I mean, we had the best player in the country. Yeah.
2: It's – I mean, we're number one seed, had the best player in the country, and we really didn't care who we played, where we played them. didn't matter. The line of other mm-hmm. play. It, it took us a little while to get our, get our groove going, but
1: once we did, we were on a roll, and it felt like – it felt like waking up and brushing your teeth. Honestly, like you, you know, it's just something you got to do every day. We're gonna go up. We're gonna
2: go to work. We're gonna show up. We're gonna,
1: you know, play hard as hell and come out with a win.
2: Which at at that point, I wasn't playing in every game or or in a lot of games that that late in the season. I played in every single tournament game. Yeah, every last one of them. ETSU beat beat them by what thirty five or something. Yeah. Wake Forest, Wake Forest. The guy didn't shake Demarcus's hand.
0: Thirty. What was that? Well, hold on a second. Now, you guys, tell me more about that. What happened before the, the game?
2: Yeah, the big man from Wake Forest. Like you in the tournament, you go shake the other person yeah. like that you're guarding. Pretty much, you go shake his hand half court. Well, the guy like just refused to go to half court. Demarcus was already there, and Demarcus came back like,
0: okay,
2: <laughs> yeah, and. Like he'll he'll regret that. That's that that's what he said coming back and or something along those lines. I mean and then you have Eric took offense to that too. Eric went off. He had eight Everybody threes that took game offense
1: to it. We all took offense to it.
0: Yeah. And then you have but. the Cornell game and, and I remember I remember DeMarcus because the whole thing in the media before the Cornell game was like They were this Ivy League school, and it was—I mean, there was a lot of different narratives. But and I remember Demarcus before the Cornell game said something like, "This ain't a spelling bee" or or, or something like that. And I remember that quote and just thought it was hilarious. And you all destroyed them, like you destroyed them in the Sweet Sixteen, and then you go and play. No, don't, don't,
2: don't, don't get, don't get past it too too far. Um, They had a kid number five, Whitman, okay, who could yeah, Randy Whitman. Yeah, he could put it in the bucket now. I mean, this dude—he could – could flat fill it up. Darius Miller put the clamps on this kid. Everywhere he went, Darius was there. I mean, he could not <laughs> do anything that entire game. That's the reason. I mean, Darius is the reason. I mean, that we won that game by as much as we did. We were oh, going to yeah. win it regardless, but Darius put the clamps on that kid. <laughs>
0: You beat Cornell, you go to West Virginia. Still to this day in my life, one of the worst sports moments ever was you all playing West Virginia in the Elite Eight. And that was uh, – um, Deshaun Butler was on that team. And, I mean, it was it was a pretty good team, but they weren't like – I don't know, they they weren't great. What happened? Like, what happened in that Elite Eight game against West Virginia? <clears throat>
2: You, oh, you want me to go? Okay. Uh, no, you you can tell them what happened. You uh, know Devin, exactly I mean, what happened. First, first, of, first, of all, they had a they had a better team than people gave them credit for. Okay. Joe missoula was a Joe Mizzoula was he good. Was a high, yeah. He was he was a high level point guard. Devin e Ebanks was on that team. Yeah, um, Kevin Kevin Jones or, or something. They uh, ran a one three, was they, a they ran a one three one that game. was a good player. Yeah, I mean they they were good. We didn't have anybody that could hit a three. Yeah. Uh, oh. Nobody. And at one point in the timeout, Cal says, Do we have any any of you guys gonna make a three? And I'm standing behind Cal like
0: <laughs> pick, me. <laughs> hey,
2: so pick, pick me. pick pick me, pick me. But no. We we had I mean just went cold. Couldn't couldn't throw one in the ocean and and we got frustrated with the one three one and John and Eric just started trying to drive it to the hole. And then Joe Missoula had their friggin' game of his life. That's
0: crazy, man.
2: So, that was crazy. I mean, that's that's what that's what I that that's my view on it. I mean, what do,
1: you, what do you think, Daniel? I mean, pretty much like you said, we couldn't hit any threes, and then it was like, who was it that hit like a couple big threes? Was it Flowers? Yeah, I can't remember. It was somebody. No, it was Jones. It was Jones. Was it Jones? Yeah. They had, like I feel like I got switched on him or I matched up with him, and he hit a three, like a deep three, and I look at the bitch. I'm like, wait, hold on. I know I read the scouting report. That wasn't on the scouting report,
2: fam. <laughs> yeah. But
1: I had to guard him way out there. Like, hold on. What did – like, we missed yeah. some things here. We missed some things. I feel like they just had some – they had, like – they had some, some weapons for us. They had some tricks up their sleeve. They were ready. You play that I game. Mean, they,
2: they beat us. They, they outscore us in the first half, and they don't make a two-point bucket. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Everything was threes and, and, and free throws. Which I feel that's
1: another thing. Like, NCAA rush costs so many fouls.
0: Yeah, terrible.
1: Not even that. They're just super inconsistent. Yeah. Like, you know – you you should know within the first five minutes of the game, all right, is this going to be physical or are they going to be blowing the whistle? But you just don't know what you're going to get with officiating in the NCAA. That's the tough part.
0: You you play that game ten times. How many times do you guys win that game? Like, if you played West Virginia in a ten-game series, how many times do you win? Not Not the
1: same. Like, you can't really – I don't know. You can't really predict it because it's like after the first game, you kind of get a feel for each other. then if you go into a series, that's the beauty of of March Madness. There is no series. You got one game to win it. You got to figure it all out within that time span. You don't have the series where you can, oh, okay, they went to a one-through-one, so this is how we're going to match up the next game. You can't even do do a series out of it because it's not that is really tough to say. Out of ten out of ten games, don't know because they might switch up their, their system again.
0: What was the locker room like after the game was over?
2: Dead quiet.
1: You can just say dead. You don't have to say quiet. It was dead. Yeah. Just dead. That's that's the that's, best way that's to say it. Was, dead. That was an, that was an atmosphere you didn't want to walk <clears> into. And it was literally just the players and coaches and I don't like I remember (laughs) we were just sitting there for so long. Then you see like John Hayden walk in. uh, You see Peavy walk in, the way Peavy walk in, and just, you know, trying to console us, talk to us. And it's like, you know, whoever's family came, they could come in and talk to us because we were just like so sad. Like, I kind of, we all realized it hit me
2: later. And like, you started to really think about, like, dang, like, it's over. My last year. And this, this will this will tell you a, a good bit. My last year, we lost national championship game to UConn. Yeah. The first year hit harder. Man. That's. I mean that that's how bad it was. I mean, and, and my in, last that year was in, that was in Dallas, right? My last year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I yeah. went to
1: that game, and it's like I even knew I went to the game. It's like. I'm not even going to go to the locker because they don't even want to see me right now. You really just don't. You really just kind of want to. I wanted to be by myself. That's how I took it. I just like, yeah. I just want to be by myself and like not talk to anybody. Like I didn't, I don't think I had my phone for like three days straight. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want nothing. Like you want, you, I literally wanted nothing to do with anybody. I was that hurt.
0: John, you can tell me and, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but it felt like in the twenty ten game, you know, you're talking about the twenty fourteen championship. In the twenty ten game, it just felt like, I mean, you couldn't hit a shot. It didn't feel like it feel like you guys were tied or anything like that. But the twenty fourteen championship, it felt like that, I mean, for the first time that whole tournament, that you guys got a little tight. Am I right about that? Or or am, am I just was I seeing that wrong or No,
2: it, it wasn't that. It was, I mean, we're down sixteen in the in the first half. Yeah. And I'm I'm to the point to where in midway through the first half, when we're down 16, screw it, I'm gonna say what I think. And yeah. he's sitting up in front of me on this little stool, and I jump up on the the first little step right there and just start dog cussing. Go zone, go zone, go zone, go zone. So he, we go zone, and we cut it to like six going into the half. And I'm I'm thinking, all right this is it because we kept Napier and boat right out of the lane. Yeah. We go in the locker room and the adjustments made, we're going to go, man. And that's why it, like, it just took the wind out of my sails. Like, because we couldn't keep anybody out of the lane. We couldn't. And I mean, we didn't have the guy, I mean, Willie was hurt. So we didn't have a guy to come across and really just like clean the glass. Not not in a rebound way. Daniel knows what I'm talking about, but like pin yeah. stuff on the glass. You didn't you yeah. didn't have that. So all you got
1: to do, do is once or twice, and then they're second guessing themselves. Exactly, especially when guys when you have time. guys
2: as big as Napier and Boatwright, who are maybe six foot tall on their best day with shoes with two inch inserts in. Like, but wait. I mean, <laughs> Missoula came, and he was a scout for some professional some NBA team or G League or whatever, he shows up my last year, 2014. And Cal – I mean, Daniel remembers. Cal used to say, like, oh, that's so-and-so, so-and-so. He's with the Grizzlies. Make sure you go and shake his hand. All the time. So, we would go do it. But Missoula comes in and he says, Joe, Missoula, go shake his hand. And I looked at Cal, no, I'm not going. <laughs> and he, he said, why? I said, Coach, I don't forget what happened. Ain't no way am I going over there shaking that man's hand. <laughs> so it's, it, I mean, to this day, it's still personal.
0: Let's yeah. let's brighten it up a little bit. I Daniel was telling me that you two were roommates in, yeah. in college. I yeah. want to know what that experience is like. The John Hood, Daniel Orton uh, roommate freshman year. What what's going on there? Uh, a little bit of everything, honestly. It the was
1: first, the first night we were in, I got like I wanted to go get a TV, so like we're about to go to sleep, and Hoods like I went to Walmart to get a movie. I'm like, okay, what movie? I think I have my I have my Xbox at the time, so he's like, he just popped in. He's like, you'll see. So I look up, <laughs> and this man is playing the Big Lebowski. I'm like, <laughs> okay, let's do it. <laughs> They the big Lebowski maybe two times before this, so I was like, yeah, okay, I love this movie. Let's watch it. There was Daniel, so much Daniel, I forgot. Daniel, you know I, w-
0: I want you to tell me because you told a really good story to me off the podcast last time. Can you uh-huh. tell me the uh, the Darius Miller Domino's Magnet story again? What went on with with the Domino's oh. Magnet? And you all get like, I want to hear that.
1: Oh, so, okay. So like, I figured out. Dang, like, what was it? Oh, yeah, once. so I was at – we went somewhere, I forgot, and I saw the Domino's magnet on top of the delivery guy. Who <laughs> <Good laughs> knows this, too, because he's seen it. it. wasn't car, Domino's. I, it was Pizza Hut. It was
2: Pizza Hut. It was Pizza Hut. Pizza Hut. Pizza, Hut. Hut. So, Pizza yeah, Hut. Pizza yeah. Hut magnet.
1: I took it off his car, and I was using it like I would park on campus because I used to always get towed. So I'm like, man, I'm always getting towed? So I stole the, the Pizza Hut magnet and put it on top of my car, and I would park. Basically anywhere close to campus, <laughs> and I guarantee. And so I just like, okay, they're just gonna be pizza delivery guy. But I know there were some people like, man, pizza delivery guy's been there a couple hours. Like, I wonder how long does it really take to deliver pizzas, or if he just really bring pizzas that often? He's oh, the he biggest to pizza delivery about. guy ever, too. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you all know, man.
0: Pizza. Like in Lexington, you're always getting told, like, because when I was at UK, I got told like six times, and anytime oh, yeah. I. Was,
1: Good, we needed. Remember, we would get towed from the lodge. We needed um permits that, that we couldn't get or something like that. For the lodge. yeah, they would,
2: tow our, they would tow our cars from the lodge for the yeah, you they like stopped selling them like halfway through the year or like didn't sell them until like two or three months into the year or something. Mm-hmm. Me and Daniel would get towed all the time.
1: <laughs> I remember one time, like, I got towed so much. That my car fell off the tow They got fell off the tow truck, and that. the tow truck company actually had to repair it. I remember the guy came up, he was like, Did they tell you about your car? I know like, what happened. Like, is it, uh, is it okay? It's like he acted like somebody died. I was like, This is my <laughs> car. Like, tell me what happened. I need to know. He's like, No, it fell off the truck. You no, know, the guy, he's done this a couple times. So we fired him. I'm like, oh, I mean, y'all don't have to fire. He's like, No, we're going to handle it. So he's like, We're replacing it. You had to get a new bumper, and that's it. I'm like, Okay, cool. So that only took like a week, but still, like, we used to get told all the time. It's, it was crazy. And then we had, I think we spoke on it too, like, just walking to class. You had the guys who were standing in the bushes with with deflated basketballs and shirts for you to sign. What? And they had 50 of them just folded over. <laughs> they'd have them 50 that so they were selling. Yeah. Arm, and they were selling them, like, they'd ask you to sign. So midway, like, no, not even midway. It was like after the first couple of times. I wouldn't want to be rude, but I know what you're doing. So, it's like, I'm not going to help you out. I started signing them Donald Duck. Because you can realize who's getting, like, real autographs and who's just trying to make money off it. So, I started signing them all Donald Duck. Because it looked like a D, my first mission. The second one looked like an O, kind of, but it was still a D. I don't know. Sloppy handwriting. So, there's a lot of people out there who think they have great
0: merchandise
1: (laughs) signed from all the players. But it really (laughs) says Donald Duck on there.
2: Yeah. That's –
0: and just as y'all walking yeah, to class, yeah. like, standing, like standing in bushes as you're walking to class, like this was going
2: like, on? Yeah. It was crazy. Like, and, and they would come up and they would say like, oh, yeah, this is for my, my, my niece. Like, oh, okay, what's your niece's name? And they didn't want to tell you what their niece's name was. God, come on. So I, that, that's how I started doing it. It's, oh, what, what's your niece's name? What's your, yeah. what's your grandmother twice removed's name? What, what, what is it? And, Start and if personalizing they, if, yeah yeah uh, you personalize everything they can't sell it so <laughs> i, I and there was just one guy that was there the in my entire five years and i guarantee <laughs> you i signed over 200 things for this one person i can imagine i got i got it he with. started using like his kids to do it yeah
1: Bad. i mean, I mean <laughs> and don't get me wrong it's not like we hated signing autographs like even like as a player is like like, my cousins, they would want, like, a autographed basketball from, like, all of us. Or sometimes, you know, one of the other guys, it's like, okay, yeah, I can do that. Like, I, these are all my friends. Like, we can go ask them for that. But it's like, if we know you're going to sell it, like, then yeah. we start to have a problem with it. <laughs> that, uh.
2: <laughs> do you, do you, do you remember a big Mike walking in our room. All the time, bro. <laughs> no, and giving it one of these. Have you signed this? <laughs> sign it. No, no look, look at us.
0: To break the ice, yeah. Yeah. That was oh, the worst. <laughs> we that oh, year, I fr- year I was you all freshman year, I was I like I, I was a teenager, so we came up and uh I think it was Big Blue Madness or something, and like I seen I seen John come and John Wall and I was I was really hyped because you know I'd, I'd heard about John Wall and it was a big deal. I mean, I'm from southeastern Kentucky, so you know I, I wasn't I went to UK, but I wasn't there yet. And yeah. I seen him coming up and I was like, oh man, I'm gonna get him to sign my hoodie because I'd got I'd got some of you other guys to sign my hoodie. And so like I'm I'm getting cause you know, you're a teenager and you see a dude that you're like, this dude's gonna be a number one pick and and I'm yeah. getting hopped. Like I'm sitting there and I'm I'm kinda tripping a little bit. I'm I'm getting hopped. John walks up and he's getting closer. I'm like, all right, man, I'm gonna get him to sign this. I'm like, hey, John, like I'm talking all nervous and crap. I'm like, hey, John, you sign my hoodie. He says, yeah, man, you got a, you got a marker. And it's so, like, I'm, I'm literally like little jittery because I'm, I'm a little bit starstruck. I'm reaching in my pocket yeah. to find this marker and I think I've got it and I pull out my chapstick. And I handed it to John. Like, I'm just, I'm not even paying attention. And I, I handed him my chapstick. And he looked at me like I was the dumbest human being, like in the world. And, I, and I, I was just like, I was, I was, I was like, I'm so sorry. And I was, I was super embarrassed. And he just keeps walking. Like, and I never got that. I just sat there and I was so disheartened. I was like, I'm the dumbest human being in the history. Cause I really tried to hand John Wall my chapstick. Yeah. That's funny. They probably thought you were just messing with him. I guarantee is why he came walking. Thought yeah. you kept Yeah, I, I I mean, I was just I was so I was cause I was like 16 or something and I was so nervous and I was like, oh man, John, you saw my hoodie. And I handed I hand him that chapstick. I ended up like because we were standing right beside uh we were standing right beside memorial and I ended up just like throwing my chapstick on the road and somebody ran over it and like I my day was just ruined for the rest of that day. So huh. I mean it was it, it was it was a crappy day. John, I got a question for you. Um, real just, quick, want
1: to, to speak on that, just like thinking more so when you start to understand, like Kentucky fans, you're not alone. You're not alone at all.
0: No, you're not. Because
1: not, not I'll never yeah. forget. Like I was a huge, I was a huge Ashley Judd fan growing up. So to see her in <laughs> the locker room, like I wasn't starstruck, but I'm like, this is so cool. She's right here. And then to see her talk about how much she loved like watching us play, and she like even stumbled over something she was trying to say because she was trying to get it out so fast. Oh yeah, I'm like, oh he really is a huge fan. Like this is crazy. This is awesome. So like you're not alone. There, it was, you know, all it, was, it was like cool
0: that. for me because I mean I grew up, you know, I, I I and from where we're at especially like I'm in southeastern Kentucky, so I grew up and the the dream is you know be a Kentucky basketball player like because you know that yeah. that's and I know that's cliche and everybody says that but. Yeah, until I went to UK and was around you guys more and stuff like that. I mean, before then, I would when I was a kid, man. I'm I'm always getting starstruck and and you know jittery and nervous because for I think for for you guys, you guys are such. When you're playing in Kentucky, you're such a big part of this state. And and maybe pe- people don't understand that, but you know you are. And, and a lot of kids look up to you and and fans, you know. And, and I know they can be over the top, but you really mean a lot to them.
1: People outside of Kentucky don't understand it. In the state of Kentucky, they did it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Most John, definitely. John, I got a question for you. 2012-2010, um, who wins? 2010. Really? Yeah. Without hesitation.
2: <clears throat> yeah. Wow. It's, it's, <sighs> we didn't have anybody. I mean, if you look at them by matchups – Okay. We had no one in 2012 that could stay in front of John or Eric. Yeah. And I mean, Eric was six foot tall, but played like he was six eight. Yeah. Like he was, and he was such a matchup problem for everybody. And John was such a matchup problem for everybody. I mean, the only, I mean, and he, I mean, the only one that where it would be close is a second-year Terrence Jones and a second-year Patrick Patterson Mm. because Terrence Terrence was very, very good. He's awesome. Very, very good, yeah. But even you look at Anthony, where Anthony struggled that year was when we played – did I lose
0: you? No, you're still – you were still here.
2: Oh, okay. Where Anthony, I don't know what happened the phone. <laughs> when Anthony struggled that year, he played against phys- physical big man. Yeah. Daniel, Demarcus, Josh. Pat. Physical big man. Yeah. And Pat. But I mean you gotta have Pat, you Pat's gotta guard Terrence Jones at that point.
1: Yeah, no, he has to. He does have to. But and it's like we had so many bigs were sending at you too. Oh yeah. So it was like I, Demarcus is gonna play. And then, you know, as soon as he needs a break, you throw me in the mix. If either one of us get in foul trouble, you still got Josh. Like, you just have right. too many weapons, way too many weapons.
2: So, I mean, I, but, and, and it wasn't like – the physicality of it wasn't like what it is in the NBA either. Because no. in college, you have to do a bunch of your work in the post before the ball is yep. thrown down there. we
1: have got to work early.
2: I mean, and you can you can just lay on people early,
1: yeah.
2: And I mean, Michael kidd Gilchrist maybe gives us problems, but I think Coach, I think Cal understands enough to where you look at you look at Mike and you guard him from the from the paint and say, okay, go ahead, fog him, shoot him all you want, we don't care. And that's,
0: that's, that, that, that's how you beat it. As we get closer to the as we get closer to, to the end here, John and, and I because we what we want to do me and Daniel is bring people on and let them tell you know their story and, and what's happened with them after you left Kentucky, um, where where did your path lead you and, and you know where, where has that led you to now and, and as you look back on your days at Kentucky, I know it's a lot, but as you look back on your days at Kentucky, like how do you remember those days
2: <clears throat> How I remember them was good. Um... I mean, national championship, multiple Final Fours. But then you have heartbreak as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. 2010, we get knocked out. We lose in the first round of the NIT in 2013 yeah. um, that no one really ever wants to talk about. Um, we get knocked out of the SEC tournament first round that year as well. Yeah. I lose in Final Fours. Just that it, it is what it is. It happens. Um if you're good enough to get there and that's the thing you've got to be good enough to get to that point but after i left uk i i tried overseas i spent a couple weeks in italy um with the showcase and you can i mean that that clip kind of of me making a buzzer beater over there kind of circled around for a little bit and then kind of kind of went away but i came back i played a little bit up in canada And I mean, of course, Daniel knows overseas it. They tell you one thing and then it's not that Um, I got to, I got to Canada and it was, uh, it was nine guys living in a five bedroom house with one working shout. Wow. I had to share a bedroom with Travis Relaford. Wow. And I mean that making $1,800 a month before 45% Canadian taxes. I said, I'm coming home. And I got in, I spent a little bit just kind of doing a little bit of everything. I've done some TV stuff in, in Lexington, uh, got into medical sales, uh, medical device sales. Um, got a, got actually my start actually helped from, uh, um, Bobby Perry actually helped me get into the cool. business. And, um, my wife is, I mean, we got married and, 2017 in in august so it was three years this year this this month earlier this month and uh for our anniversary but uh we we stayed around lexington for a while she's in occupational therapy school she's almost done awesome just has a little bit left in her rotation but we're down in owensboro now that's where my work has taken me and uh, i mean i'm still doing medical device sales but uh Depending on when you all release it, I don't know when the press release is going to come out, but I'll be announced as the second assistant uh, coach down at Kentucky Wesleyan down here
0: awesome. in Owensboro. So that's uh, right. that's
2: kind of that's kind of where it is right now.
0: That's that's awesome, man! Congratulations, and and uh, thank you. I, I, I'll tell you, and and I'm. I mean, one of the the things that when when I asked Daniel, I said, you know, because me and Daniel talked about this podcast and getting it up and going the first person I said, all right, Daniel, you know, who are some people that you want to get on and who do you want to talk to? The first name he told me was John Hood. Like he said, he said, I I, 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 I want to get John Hood on a podcast. And, and cause I mean, and and I, I, I've i agreed with him because I think that, you know, you're, you're, you hold a big place in the heart of, of Kentucky, Kentucky fans and, and even, even just people that, that know basketball. And, and it's been, it's been awesome, you know, to to hear you guys talk back and forth and I've really enjoyed it. Uh, and and I just – man, I'm, I'm really happy for you and the assistant coach's spot. And I would call
1: this even part one because there's things we still haven't talked about. We didn't talk about this party that Hood let me out to in the middle of Kentucky where I'm worried for my life out here and was worried for my life. I'm like, can, like, can I trust Hood? Where am I? And it's like it was even scarier because I had a crush 300. The windows were like super dark tinted. So at it's night just it so is even dark. Worse. Even <laughs> yeah. Worse. And so you had to roll the windows down. And when I roll the windows down, if I don't see any light, I'm like, yeah, I don't know where I am. It's where did black. you take I'm him? Like,
2: we don't we know. went yeah. We, we were looking we, were, we were look we were looking for halls on the river <laughs> and could not find it. I made a wrong turn and we just couldn't we couldn't find it. But I mean we spent four hours driving around <laughs> and about every about every two minutes Daniel was like, Hood, do you know where you are? Like I mean, not really, but there's, there's a lot more to talk yeah, about. There's, I
1: appreciate you for coming on the uh, hood. This was this fun. Yeah, we got to do another part. We got yeah, to so have a part two for sure.
2: Lately.
1: Yeah, but yeah. no, we have
2: to. We have to. <laughs> just let me know. Okay, one, what, sure. one
0: thing real quick, I got to ask you guys something because there's something that's went on in my life that happened yesterday, and I got to know what you guys would have done in this situation. So, so give me just like yesterday, me, my wife, and my baby. We go, we drive out to Walmart and, and like I live in Harlem. So there's nothing that there's nothing in Harlem besides Walmart. Like that's, that's the place to be. You know what I mean? That's just, that's how it is. And so like, I'm, yep. I'm a teacher. My wife's a teacher. We drive to Walmart and um, my wife and my daughters, they're staying in the car my daughter, she's 10 months old. She don't, you know, go, go anywhere. And I get out of the car and I drop a hundred dollar bill out of my pocket on oh. beside the car. Okay. And I, I didn't realize that I had dropped the hundred dollar bill and my wife is sitting in the car with my baby. I go into Walmart shop, do whatever, get the stuff that we need. And my wife notices, and she didn't say that I dropped it. Notices a woman that walks up next to our car, picks something up, goes back to her car and drives away. My wife didn't yeah. know what it was. So she just smiles at her and, and, <laughs> you know, moves on. And, I get, I get back out to the car and I check my pocket and I realize, okay, that woman picked up a $100 bill for me. So what, what would you guys have done? Because I, I, I want your insight on this to add to the podcast. What would you have done if you drop a $100 bill, a woman comes and picks it up, walks away with it? Do you leave it? Like, do you say, all right, whatever, no big deal? What do you do?
1: You count your losses. You don't know who, Did you know who she was?
0: My wife got a loss. It's, Har- it's Harlan, probably. Yeah. It's my Harlan. wife got a loss. Play, and everybody knows everybody around here. Yeah, you're right, John. Like everybody knows yeah, everybody it's, around it's here. It's Harlan. So, what? So, Daniel, you say count my losses, like whatever. Yeah, I that's what know. I would say too.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. At that point, maybe it'll come back on you. I don't know.
0: I, I, <laughs> that's I got. I, so like I got it back. The woman this, yeah. this is this is this is how good like I, I just want to let you know this is how good that people in Harlan are. The woman messaged me and was like, Hey, I think that I picked up a hundred dollar bill beside your car. And so she knew you. Well, she didn't know me, but I think like maybe she knew people that knew me. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, it is Harlan. And, yeah, like like daniel there's literally I'm,
1: I'm not gonna lie if someone knows people that know you then they know you essentially
0: yeah that's true
1: but yeah. there, there's nobody here like i guarantee you she's kind of stalked you a little bit see what kind of person you are see if you deserve it or she already
0: knows what type of person you are so she gave it back if yeah. you okay so if you guys would have picked I mean, up the hundred dollar but... bill would you have given it back
1: oh from my perspective yeah if, you, if i know who it is
0: yeah i'll give it back yeah you... okay So I i I I I was just asking your perspective on that.
1: I would have picked it up, looked around, seen if anybody was looking for it, and then, um, yeah, I would have tried. Yeah, you try to find the owner, but I mean, if you can't, then what are you going to do? Take it to the police police station? Like, no. But I mean,
0: what was weird to me was that my 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 car was running and it was literally sitting right next to it. She just picked it up. That was weird. Yeah. Like I, I, would probably at least and Brady it.
1: I mean, the wind could blow it. That's a good point.
0: <laughs> Dang, I don't know, on now. Dang Muffler.
2: Dang uh, I'm, on I'm now. getting, I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready to lose you guys. I've got one percent battery, just to let you know. John, so. thanks, thanks yeah, for coming right, on, man. Into, into.
0: Th- th- thanks for coming on, John. <laughs> yeah, <appreciate laughs> no,
2: it's no problem at all. We'll, we'll, we'll do it again. For sure. I appreciate all you, man.
0: Please. All right, see y'all. And I guess that we will uh, we'll stop there. I did get the hundred dollars back today. I was I was asking. You all, Daniel thinks the wind could have blew it, but you know whatever. I got I got oh, no. I, I got I got the money back. Uh, we appreciate you guys for listening. We hope it was it was uh, Daniel. I, I enjoyed it. Did you? No, this was awesome. Of it course, was,
1: like just <laughs> like last time, it was just just as good as last time. This is awesome. Appreciate it, it, it for
0: real. It was good. We we appreciate John Hood for coming on. We hope that we can get him back uh, to talk talk a little bit more and keep us updated what's going on. You know, with at at Kentucky Wesleyan and and some of the extra things that he's done. Uh, This is the full court press podcast, and we will be back with you soon. Like, uh, Stan Van was your coach? Like, he was the coach when you were in Orlando?
1: Yeah, Stan Van Gundy was the coach. We had to go through, like, all the – I don't know. Just – I remember training camp my second year. I literally (laughs) fell asleep in the cold tub just from being so tired. Oh, what's up, buddy? What's up? Just from being so tired from, uh, like, the 2 days we were going through. It was 2 days every day. For like a week
0: straight, Stan Van and is uh, so Stan Van and is doing the commentary for all the bubble, like the the main bubble games right now. He's actually doing really good. Like he's he's actually uh, he's actually been pretty interesting, like on his commentary and stuff. I don't like most. I mean, normally those guys aren't great, know, but he's, he's been.
1: super smart. Super smart,
2: Andrew. This is John Hood. John Hood. Andrew Williams.
0: What's up, John? How, How are, are you? you? Stan Stan Van
2: Stan Van gets to the point. Yeah. about what he's – what he's telling people. And, like, just for the casual viewer, he explains it in intelligent terms, but it's also layman's terms so people understand it. Correct. It's I mean, it's genius. And that's why he was so amazing to play for. But, at the like, at one point it was just like he – I don't
1: know. We just practiced so much. And I got it. I understood it. He wanted everything to be perfect. But
0: still – he, he's been – the thing that I've liked about him, and I don't I don't hear this on basketball commentary much, is like most of the time, like when you get Mark Jackson and Jeff Angoni, like they're fine. But a lot of those guys just like talk and, and you know, but, but Stan Van does a really good job like explaining the game and what's going to happen and what certain teams are doing. And like you said, he really gets to the point and does so in a way that everybody can understand. He reminds you of, of Tony Romo and the way that he does like the CBS NFL, you know, broadcast. And and it, it's I, I enjoy it because I don't I don't like when announcers just like go off on tangents like I hate listening to Bill Walton that's the worst thing in the world when I hear him just like talk about random crap but I mean Stan, Van's, Stan Van's done really good and you can tell how knowledgeable he is. No, but well,
2: you, you you listen to Bill Walton, you listen to Bill Walton talk about random crap.
0: And you you have
2: to listen to it because he gets done talking about Joshua tree. And then for like 15 seconds, he's like completely sober (laughs) and it's the most genius, like big man basketball stuff ever. Absolutely. It's, it's it's great. Yeah. But you've got to wait for those 15 seconds between Joshua tree and like riding his bike and, (laughs) and doing all that other random nonsense.
1: Absolutely. Like, SVG, like the thing that was so cool about him was like, even like we had these two huge whiteboards. It was three actually, because you could slide them. And then if you slid them out the way, there was like a TV, like a huge TV. And that's where we watched film at. And so he would have all three of them. I want to say they were probably like as big as like three sixty-five inch TVs. He would have them full and perfectly lined. There weren't lines on them. So everything was perfectly lined up. According to everything we were gonna do, how we were gonna guard certain players, how we were gonna play that night, this like first five plays we were gonna run, and that was the coolest thing ever. Is he had the first five plays we were gonna run in the game down on the board before we even went out there, so we knew what to do as soon as we were getting through it. And it was just like repetition. It was it was progressions and everything. Like our playbook was so thick. I'll never forget that.
2: Is JJ the uh, second best shooter you ever played with?
1: Second best shooter, you know who the first is?
2: <laughs> yes, sir. Myself.
0: <laughs> nope. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like the the thing always that I noticed was th- Daniel did uh did Dwight and Stan Van get along?
1: Yeah, they got. A, I mean, there was times where they got along so great. It's just like. I don't know. but it's just tough because you have two personalities that clash, one that's so serious and laser-focused, locked in. And Dwight's one of those guys that – I forgot who said it was one of the players. It was Jameer. Jameer was like, Dwight doesn't understand. Like, he can turn that on and he can turn it off, but a lot of people can't turn it off like he can. Like, when it was time to focus and lock in, Dwight could go out and destroy everything. He goes out and destroys everything. But then he could turn that off, but a lot of guy, a lot of other players around him couldn't. So that was like the struggle too at first.
0: He's like, I mean, Dwight's Dwight's playing. I mean, he's he's played pretty well in the bubble so far. Like you can tell, he's like he's yeah. not as athletic yeah, as he used to be, that. but he's still like. He, there's just times when you can see flashes of it that he just dominates, gets rebounds, pushes guys out of the way, and just like jumps out of the gym. Mhm.
2: As long as like it's it's gone on. I guess cameras have gotten a little better since, like, your freshman or not, not freshman year, your rookie year. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Dwight Howard used to look like the biggest person walking <laughs> this face of the earth, and now he looks like a normal human being. Yeah. As. <laughs>